Good evening, everyone. This is the Brain in a Jar podcast. Thank you for tuning in. All right, this is an episode a long time coming. Some would say maybe even years in the making. I have two different guests with me tonight. This is going to be a good one. I'm very excited. Last episode, we talked about Spider-Man. This episode, we will be talking about Spider-Man again, but in the context of after seeing No Way Home, which is something me and these two separate guests have seen. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, but before I let them introduce themselves, I would like to talk about my first impressions of Spider-Man before getting into spoilers, because these guys are, there's no way they're going <laughs> to not be able to get into spoilers. Heck, they're they're so into spoiling things, they leave milk out just for fun. I'm going to get into the non-spoiler part, and then when these guys call, everybody who hasn't seen the movie, get off the video, get off the podcast, wherever you're listening to this too, and watch the movie, come back. So long story short, let's, let's get down to the meat of it. Spider-Man No Way Home, this is my non-spoiler review, has to be one of the best celebrations of any type of movie cinema. Uh, we've had a couple of very big climaxes happen this year when it comes to movies, one specifically being the new 007, which wasn't a great homage to the character, I don't think. I don't think that, even though I like the movie, I don't think it ended James Bond on the right note, which is okay, because inevitably they're going to have another James Bond and it'll be fine. But holy cow, did Spider-Man No Way Home truly nail nail celebrating Spider-Man in every way. It had the funny parts of Spider-Man, it had the serious parts of Spider-Man, and people are ragging on the movie about the the funny parts, but you gotta understand that Spider-Man is a comical character sometimes, and Spider-Man culture is funny. It's, it's this self-aware group of people. And so, you know, I don't mind there being these funny moments. I don't mind there being these good times. And and But as long as it's e- evenly yoked, which I think if you're going to Spider-Man No Way Home as a Spider-Man fan, you will not be disappointed. And anyways, that's all pretty much I had to say about non-spoiler realm. But we're about to, we're about to stink and get into it here with our guests. It's time to give them a little call. It's a call-in. We're going to turn on. Hello, you guys there. Hello. I can hear you. Can you, you hear me? Okay, well, you guys are, are officially on the air. I gave a little intro, so you guys are going to have to introduce yourselves. Jordan's been on the show before, but we, we have a newcomer. Some would say she's a little green. <laughs> yes, let me introduce myself. I am Adrian. I am these nerds' relative. That's all I got. That's all she's got. Lover of Tom Holland is what she is. Yes, I am the Tom Holland fan here. Okay. I, I hey, I'm a big Tom Holland fan too. Uh Jordan Jordan has a little bit of mixed priorities when it comes to Spider Man, but I understand it. I understand it. He explained it pretty well today and he'll explain it on the podcast. But uh but Jordan Jordan, introduce yourself. Uh last show you were the le- world's expert on Uncharted. What are you tonight? Uh, I would say I am uh, tied with Adrian on Spider-Man knowledge, and we are both, uh, I'd say, right behind you. Uh, <laughs> so, expert, take away the podcast. 
Well, I'm excited to get into this. Jordan made a whole list and showed it to us beforehand, which I, I he he was much way better prepared than I was. I double booked tonight, and and well. Yeah, I was going to read like some critic reviews and 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 talk about what people have to say about the movie, but I totally bombed that. So I'm just winging it right now. Um right now, I would like to ask you guys though, what is your first impressions off the cuff gut feelings Spider-Man No Way Home? Say it. Adrian first. Me first. All right. Well, um honestly, I want to say that every single thing about it was utter perfection like I wouldn't change a thing about it in my opinion like it I came into the theater you know with zero expectations because I'm one of those people I don't want to I don't want to theorize anything Jordan would send me videos and I just wouldn't watch it but I already obviously had my theories and everything that came out of that movie was everything I hoped it to be and more yeah what is what does she say in the movie expect disappointment uh, yeah, uh, and it, you'll never be disappointed. And you'll never and be disappointed. How it was. Yeah, I think that's how a lot of people were going in. All right, Jordan, your turn. Go. Okay, I walked in with high, very, very high expectations <laughs> because opposite of Adrian, I love watching every single trailer, watching it at like point two speed and just breaking down the trailer, trying to figure stuff <laughs> out. I did that with Infinity War and got 90% of the movie right. I did that with Endgame, only got like 50% of the movie right. And I did that with this one. And so I had very high expectations because, you know, I wanted Toby. I wanted Andrew. I wanted the Daredevil. I wanted all these references, like just so many different things. And they went above and beyond my expectations, which were already skyrocketing high. Oh, yeah. I have to say about this movie it's it's as if Captain America catching Thor's hammer for a whole movie. Oh, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, at least. I mean, like, going into this movie, my expectations were wildly high, mainly because what was spooky for me is I'm the type of guy that makes fake leaks. And to go from, like, I'm making fake leaks to then seeing something that is, like, most definitely real and being like... Yeah. Oh, that's 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 definitely a leak. To go from that to to you know my expectations and what it is, it's like I knew going into it the same way with Jordan was like I know some things. I don't know exactly what they're gonna do, but I know certain things are gonna happen, and those things like tickled me to my core with excitement. Yeah, that's that's definitely one thing. Is when we were you would send me pictures, like I think you sent me that Daredevil picture and. I didn't want to believe it, but that was just so, like, nobody could have faked that. And as soon as I saw, like, that same setup in the house in the movie, I was over. I was like, this is a for certain this is going to happen. And then it did. The daredevil came in, and my heart just, that's when I started crying, and I didn't stop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What, like, what an emotional roller coaster this movie was as well. Oh, man. Like, I, I was telling Jordan, I'm so glad I didn't go with you guys so not everyone would see me blubber through Dude. through the f f f last half of the movie. Yeah, and that's one thing I was telling Jordan, too, because we watched it again, is even though that the last half of the movie was, like, the obviously the part we've all been waiting for, um, 
watching it again, there was not a single point in the movie where I was like, can we just get to the next part already? Like, that yeah. whole movie from beginning was perfection. You longed for the movie to keep going. Exactly. It was like a great piece of pie that you start eating and then you realize you're getting to the end and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. crap. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Jordan, what was what was number one on your list? Okay, number one, we kind of already talked about it, Daredevil. Oh, snap. Actually, this is something I was thinking about, too. Me and my dad are watching the Hawkeye TV series. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I have that listed in here as well. Because like, Wilson Fisk's already been shown. Yeah. And, I mean, that just proves that the Netflix shows are either connected to the MCU or they're just going to take the characters that were already in them because they did such perfect roles and they're bringing them to the MCU. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Daredevil reference in Hawkeye besides Wilson Fisk. Absolutely, which is something we all kind of knew because the Netflix shows connected themselves to the MCU, whether the MCU liked it or not. Yeah, because they were, you know, they had established New York. The attack on New York had already happened in this universe. They established Ultron, you know, all these different events that happened. Either they were a really close variant of the MCU or they were the MCU. And I'm glad that MCU Disney is is accepting that. Yeah, me too. For sure. I was was scared at first. And kind of like you were saying, like. Even if we don't get, like, say, a Daredevil season four, like, you just know you're going to get more Daredevil content, and that's all I'm asking for. Yeah, so what's what's cool is, I don't know if you guys know anything about She-Hulk, how she's, like, a defense lawyer or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's already confirmed that Charlie Cox's Daredevil is going to be a huge supporting role in that show, because just like in the comics where he defends superheroes... He also battles a lot in the courtroom with She-Hulk. So that's going to be their main thing is courtrooms and stuff like that for She-Hulk. I did not know that. That is a good piece of information. I'm excited. I'm pumped. You know what's funny is a lot of these Netflix shows, I go into it and I'm like, or these Disney shows, I'll hear them announce it and I'll be like, oh, that'll be cool, I guess. Probably won't watch it. And She-Hulk was one of those things that I was like, nah, probably not. But I like, actually thought the exact same thing. Like, I was like, okay, like, they've done some pretty good ones already, but, like, I'm like, how much longer could this go? But then, now that Jordan said that, like, I'm probably looking forward to that one the most. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the one I'm not excited for is Miss Marvel. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, they've they've kind of tainted that character. And, I mean, like... I don't know. That's a lot of people's favorite character, so I don't mean to dump on that character um, for for controversy surrounding the film. But like at the same time, it's kind of a, a loose adaptation of the comic book character, anyways, because the character has yeah. been rebooted s- some dozen odd times in the past thirty years. So I'm not too I'm not too excited about that. I mean, but I'd be willing to give it a chance if if they would be willing yeah, to I'm give me a chance with it. Absolutely, but like. I remember literally sitting down, hearing about WandaVision, and being like, nah. And now being yeah. so immensely glad I watched it. So Yeah, that's that's where I differ. Is I was like, like I don't know. I have a feeling with certain shows that they make. Like, when, when they ca- talked about WandaVision, that I just had a feeling I knew it was going to be amazing. Just because I could tell in the trailer how 
attention to detail they had to like the time and the time period and the accuracy to it I knew they were gonna do so well and then Loki actually just exceeded my expectations oh yeah and then the other no like I'm liking Hawkeye but like I don't know oh yeah Wanda's Uh definitely go ahead oh well I was just saying like how Wanda like that one is like peak and then Loki is peak and I like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but certain ones, I don't know. I think they're still trying to figure out what they can do and what they can't do. Yeah, and I mean, like, looking back on on um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, not to get too deep into the shows, but, like, I, I wasn't disappointed with it, but I wouldn't say, like, like I said, I wouldn't say my expectations were exceeded in any way, like Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home was, or Spider-Man No Way Home was. Um, as we're like Spider-Man Far From uh, No Way Home, I set expectations that were pretty dang high, and they got exceeded to the fullest of 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 extent. And I feel like you know some of those shows like Loki, WandaVision, have truly exceeded my expectations. Granted, and I know this is a controversial take. What if, and I'm not fully done with it yet, but what if so far hasn't been like super surpassing my expectations um which yeah, which is okay because in the end these shows are in service of the films not the films in service yeah. of the shows so you know they're supposed to make right. the sh- movies better which i feel what if does very well um but it's mm-hmm. it's hard to sit through a what if episode sometimes for me depending on what the episode is yeah, yeah. it's more of a it's more of a show you put on in the background but you like you want to watch it but like you're not going to watch it again yeah yeah exactly Exactly. So, Jordan, what else do you have on the Daredevil topic? Um, not nothing really on the Daredevil topic. That was it because it was just it was a split second of you seeing him, and it did it justice. It wasn't forced; it was just there. And I just think great way to introduce him, just like in the comics, Daredevil was introduced through Spider-Man, just like yeah. Punisher introduced through Spider-Man. So, I'm hoping they continue doing that route. Heck yeah! Heck yeah! I definitely feel the same way when it comes to um, Punisher, Daredevil, even Kingpin. I feel like all of that yeah. coming into the Spider-Verse is is something that is like, that's awesome. And since we are officially into the spoiler realm of the podcast, <laughs> that is something that Spider-Man will definitely have contact with, whether on screen or not, because of the situation No Way Home leaves him in at the end. Um. Yeah. Anyways, number two. No, sorry, Adrian, go on. Okay. Oh, I was talking to Joe. Like, uh, I was telling him about like a theory because they obviously made Spider-Man aware that Daredevil has powers for a reason. Like, they wouldn't have just put that in there for fun as a joke. Like, it's obviously eventually he's gonna go to him for some reason because he knows something's up with him and yeah, more than a lawyer. Absolutely. I mean, he is a ghost now, so every good ghost that gets caught needs yeah. a it needs a lawyer. Anyways, Jordan, number two on the list. Okay, so number two, it's not something we have to dive really deep into. It's just basically two uh, Easter eggs, you could say. Uh, number one was Dummy, uh, Iron Man's little robot that he had, Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, and now Happy has it. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool thing just to include that happy and tony were brothers yeah just loved each other and so i thought that was really nice for happy to have 
And the second one was, I don't know if you're into DC at all, but Flashpoint. Was yes. Flash's book. Yes. I thought that was a really, really cool reference because that's basically Barry trying to go and change something in the past and it messes up all of the future. Yeah. So I thought that was a really cool Easter egg for No Way Home. Absolutely. I think that that was like something I caught on to and was like, really? Or did they just drop that in an MCU movie? But like, it makes sense. I mean, and, and it also is a really good job of kind of foreshadowment using that Easter egg as a tool to say, hey, this is one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved it. And the the third thing, Adrian actually pointed this out when we, uh, right after the movie, I was talking to them, uh, Adrian and Miguel, I was like, hey, did you guys notice, like, Peter was controlling his arm when Doctor Strange knocked him out of his astral form? And Adrian was like, well, did you notice he had the squiggly lines above his head, like how they show in Into the Spider-Verse when yeah. the spider senses are going on? Mm-hmm. So my, my thought was maybe he's breaking the fourth wall, but Adrian's makes 100% more sense. He's using his spider senses to control his body. Yeah, and his body aren't isn't isn't his spider senses aren't inherently connected to just his personality. His spider senses are connected to his body, um which which would remain as soon as he, you know, leaves it in an astral projection. So I mean, it makes it makes a really cool sense and I liked how they used it for him to defeat Doctor Strange yeah. in that way. Oh man. It's just another That's- He's OP. Yeah. yeah. Spider-Man on a whole and like him discovering how OP he is oh is pretty cool too. Yeah. I, I loved the whole mirror dimension thing because we saw in Infinity War, Doctor Strange used it against Thanos and the mm-hmm. only way he was able to stop it was with Infinity Stones. Yeah. And Peter just inside the mirror dimension is just like, oh, this yeah. is geometry. Yeah. Great at geometry. <laughs> completely defeats the Sorcerer Supreme in his own game. Correction, Ex-Sorcerer Supreme. Ex-Sorcerer Supreme. He's Uh, no... Yes, Ex-Sorcerer Yeah. Now it's Wong. (laughs) Now it's Wong, which is okay. I'm actually off off on a little tangent. I actually believe that's a really good character development for Strange to go from Sorcerer Supreme being blipped to now Wong being the Sorcerer Supreme. I feel like uh, not that it wasn't unearned, but Doctor Strange became Sorcerer Supreme fairly quickly in his own mm-hmm. own film. Yeah. So to see him kind of be demoted a little bit, and now he's fraternizing with a a teenager, you know, to, to yeah. I feel like that's a really good way to kind of like knock him down a couple steps to get him ready for yeah. to humble him a little bit for Multiverse into Madness. But that's that's another episode. Oh, man. Yeah, we could talk for days oh, about yeah. Multiverse of Madness. Just with the amount of characters confirmed and rumored, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right, then, Jordan. Right. I want to know, Jay, what you thought, because I know you are you loved the Sam Raimi films growing up. I personally loved Green Goblin more in this movie Thanks. than I did in Sam Raimi because it showed his split personality so much better and when he was Goblin, he just seemed more powerful and more menacing than ever in this movie. So, oh my gosh, to see like, and I mean like, it's something I didn't know I needed closure for, but to see Green Goblin 
go through this story arc that eventually Toby went through the story arc. Like, like to have his universe, even though I didn't need it, to have his universe be tied in a little bow was awesome for me to see that because, you know, Green Goblin is a force to be reckoned with that the first movie does him justice, but it kills him. And you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's awesome, but now you'll never get that that in the Sinister Six. And obviously, they weren't planning for that back then. Back then, they were just trying to make yeah. a good Spider-Man movie, which they succeeded in. And I bet you there was a part of themselves that were kicking themselves over killing him, and that eventually lead, led to you know the new Goblin <laughs> uh, uh, character. Yeah. So I mean, like, but to see him interact with Tom Holland's. And you're right, having that split personality of, like, showing that off a bit more. I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Like, Norman's still in there. And, like, you know, Norman's still in there. And Norman is, like, I feel like in in his own movie, in the first Tobey Maguire film, he was more established and and more, Mm -hmm. even in his, like, split sense, like, he was more like Norman himself was a man. As where in this one, it shows him as, like, Norman is broken. The goblin is is yeah. has sapped his energy. That that you know any confidence he has has gone over to the goblin, and any any like capabilities he had was was green goblins. As where now we get to see him like he comes to a homeless shelter, and he fits right in, and he's stuffing his pockets full of donuts. <laughs> yeah. It like yeah. it makes sense because it, it sounds sad, but if you've ever met a person who's broken and homeless, mm-hmm. that's kind of who they are. And you like their brain's yeah. not all there, and that's Norman in this. As we're like when he's Norman in the last movie, he's all there. He just doesn't understand yeah. what's going on with him. In this one, he's like, "No, I know what's wrong with me, and I know I'm broken, and I can't fix it." And it it also allows Tom Holland Spider Man to have this little moment with him, with Norman, to be able to reach mm-hmm. out and be like, "No, I can help you." And it kind of uh, yeah. Norman's vulnerability allows. Peter Parker, Tom, Tom Holland's Peter Parker really shine in this movie, and I think that was a beautiful little relationship to make. Yeah, and yeah, honestly, I you appreciate it. the the villain more because you like in the, like how you said in the first movie, he was just like a really cool bad guy, like he was mature and like okay, mentally stable, basically. But this one, it's like you can see he's struggling, but you can see how powerful the Goblin is that he he just takes Norman over completely. And then at the end, you like, he's literally the whole end scene. He's just sitting there like, what the heck did I do? Like, you feel bad for him, but also at the same time, you like, he's a total. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, can I mention the callback to Sam Raimi style of fights called back in this? Tom Holland and and Norman Osborn's Green Goblin fights in this are brutal. They're like so even. Yeah, so like, provocative. And so, like, very well planned. Like, the way he would, like, web him up, kick him, and then flip him, and then web him again. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, the way it was choreographed, and even the way things would happen when his spidey sense would go off, and just everything in the background was muted, and the camera was just, like, focusing on him walking, and nothing matters. Everything about the way everything was, like, choreographed in those scenes when they're fighting, or something's about to happen, it was so well done yeah. yeah i mean the part that gave me chills the most is 
we all know Spider-Man holds back his punches because he Mm -hmm. can just punch a hole straight through anybody. But when he is elbowing Goblin in the face in that Mm -hmm. hallway fight scene, and the Goblin just looks at him and isn't even flinching and just does the wonderful Green Goblin laugh that William Defoe does so brilliantly, it was just chills. I had chills everywhere. Absolutely, and it kind of like leans over to this is Goblin style of fighting. It's no longer the Marvel style of fighting. And I mean, Shang-Chi kind of had this like really cool different take on MCU fights. But at the same time, it wasn't nearly this like grapple and brutal. And uh, 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 I feel like Tom Holland Spider-Man and and, like Green Goblin Spider-Man, it kind of pulled Tom Holland Spider-Man into the dirt with Green Goblin. And it was like, oh, you yeah. want to fight? Well, it's not going to be some Iron Man pew, 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 lasers, you know, yeah. fight. It's going to be, I'm going to throw you through this building, and we're going to clap some brick walls on each other, and we're going to see who can get up at the end of it. I think that's a that's a great callback to uh, uh, the Green Goblin of, of Tobey Maguire. Because, I mean, he whoops Tobey in that final fight scene. And I, I, I really wish, I always have wanted more. And I finally got it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, like, even in the fight in Sam Raimi's universe, when him against Toby, Toby tried swinging away, and Goblin just grabs him by the foot and just says, you're not going anywhere. He did the same exact thing to Holland on the balcony when he tried yeah. to swing away, and he just grabs him by the foot, launches him back into the apartment, and just starts beating the crap out of him. Oh my gosh, he did! I didn't yeah. even notice that. So that was such a beautiful fight. I, like... The part on the shield was great, and, like, some of the moves that were done, it was like, oh, yeah. But, like, that apartment fight scene between him and Goblin was really awesome. All right, well, we're coming up to it. I don't want to, but Aunt May's death. Oh, that's when the tears started. Yeah. And here's what I wanted to ask you guys is for Toby and somewhat for Andrew, uh, the line was delivered by Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility and then in civil war we see spider-man tell tony he says when you could do the things that i can and then you don't and then the bad things happen they happen because of you i thought that was him saying that because you know after uncle ben died it being his fault he was accepting the responsibility thing i thought maybe uncle ben might have said it to him but now we see that it's actually aunt may who Mm -hmm. delivers the line yeah who 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 is the one that gives him that? Yeah, I really liked that. Um, I don't know. I think it just tied perfectly with how the other Spider Men made him feel. Like, yeah, because it's what connected him to realize. Oh, because there's one point when he says, "Don't act like you know how I feel." <laughs> and, and even though Andrew knew how he felt, he was like, "You know what? I, I know he doesn't need that right now." He doesn't, and then when he says that, what Aunt May said to him, that's when he realizes, oh, they really do know what I'm going through, and it kind of helps them bring them together a little more. Yeah, absolutely. And and to go back to, I mean, like kind of Jordan's thing where it's it's you know he hadn't had the great power, has great responsibility. He almost had it. He has a grasp on it, but he doesn't have it all the way until it's explained to him like that. I think that's the beauty of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And I and seeing like a lot of die-hard Spider-Man fans um talk about Tom Holland's Spider-Man, their biggest gripe is, well, he never learns his lesson. He's he's yeah. always learning the same 
always learning the same lesson in each movie and and but like looking back you realize oh well he was always growing but just like a kid he didn't get it the first time exactly in the first movie yeah. he learned how to be spider-man in the second movie he learns how to be you know peter parker and in the third movie he learns what great power and great responsibility means he learns what it means to be both and i think that's a beautiful yeah. thing and that's what like because mine and jordan's friend miguel he oh. likes to <laughs> always talk about talk trash about tom spider-man and say like Oh, he's just little Iron Boy Jr. and yada, yada, yada. He doesn't learn anything, you know. He gets everything his way. But I'm like, in the movies, like, the whole point is that, like, he's spoiled with this Stark tech. And then at the point when he's at his lowest, when no one's around and he has no equipment, that's when he actually becomes his strongest because he realizes, oh, crap, no one's going to help me. I got to do this myself. Like, I am alone. And, like, it's honestly a very good arc, but, like, for some reason, a lot of people just can't get past the Iron Boy Jr. And I think that this third film really showed, like, like his maturity, like, just zoomed. And I think that wouldn't have been possible even without the other two Spider-Men being in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, like, like I say, people with this Iron Man Jr. argument, it's like, yeah, but the he, you're right. He does only shine when he gets the suit taken away from him, you know? It's not... It, 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 I'm nothing without the suit. Well, if you're nothing without the suit, you shouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. And and exactly. Tony Stark is a good father figure in that sense, where he's able to dish out that that like, hey, listen, if you're if you can't accomplish, yeah, if you can't accomplish anything without the suit, then you're not really Spider Man. Then the suits is Spider Man, and you need to be yeah. Spider Man. And like I said, the first movie he's learning how to be Spider-Man. Second movie he's learning how to be Peter Parker. And in the third movie, he understands what it means to be both. And like, mm-hmm. like I think that that the movie nailed it. And yeah. And and by the way, this he's no longer Iron Man Junior. in this in this oh, final no. movie. Oh no, that, nobody can why, make that argument anymore. Yeah, that this movie, like I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but it just shows that this, like, he's starting from scratch. Like, he literally has, he he has to get his GED. Like, he's so, so smart, but, like, he's literally starting from zero, and that's, like, he, it's his origin story. Like, you're not going to get the Spider-Man you want to see right away. Like, this was all building up to this very moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, I don't mind the Iron Man Jr. insult anymore because... He kind of was. It's like, okay, I'll allow that. But through that, like Adrian was basically saying, through that, it allowed him to be Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean... Exactly. That's a beautiful thing. Jordan, you got anything else? Um, just about how sad it was. Uh, <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about is how resilient Tom Holland is, or how, I, I don't know, I guess you could say durable. Just after Aunt May and I- after getting beat up and blown up by one of the pumpkin bombs. He literally gets shot in the shoulder by yeah. one of the cops. After being and, plumped through a building. Yeah. yeah, and just gets out of there with no, like, without a split second, didn't even see him leave. And then he's mm-hmm. just on top of the building watching J. Jonah Jameson talk <laughs> so oh, much crap about him when he no, knows like, he just tried to oof. save everyone and May died because of it. Yeah. 
that. Yeah. I, I think that scene needed to be there where he's watching J. Jonah Jameson because he's just, it's like the things he's saying, he's like, you know what, you're right. Like, no one is good with me around. And, like, you can see how broken he is. And, like, it's just such a good scene that, that they put in there. It just shows, just, I don't even know how to talk about it. It's I just know. so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I think, like, it's 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 beautiful in the way but like it's so spider-man because i mean like you could say anything about like oh wolverine is the baddest character in the marvel universe oh the hulk is the baddest character in all the universe but like no one can take a hit like spider-man can and i mean like that's that's like what they're truly trying to push across in this movie and and uh Vulture says it in the first movie. He's like, I got to admit, you have grit. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, that's the whole arc of Spider-Man is like, yeah, he's got some real deal problems. And not only is he getting his ass whooped, but he's got emotional problems for days. Yeah, he's got He cannot catch a break. And and I think that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man also did a good job of, of portraying that. But Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man was better at being Spider-Man than he was Peter Parker. That was the con. Exactly. That yeah. was the contradiction, as where we got to see Tobey Mag- Tom Holland's Spider-Man grow up in in being mm-hmm. Spider-Man. He didn't start out being good at Spider-Man. He had yeah. to get a suit from Tony Stark, and then he had to lose the suit, and then he had to get the suit back. And then, of course, he got, a, got to, you know, rediscover his Spider-Sense to defeat Mysterio. And then he's got, of course, once he's starting to try and kind of figure it out, everything has to fall apart because of Peter Parker and not because of Spider-Man. I think that they did a really yeah. good job blending the two together. Instead of as where, like I said, Tobey Maguire was more based off Peter Parker ruining Spider-Man's life. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's a true origin story. Like, we've gotten three origin stories, but this is like, this shows the pain. Yeah. This, yeah. This, this whole trilogy was basically one long origin story yes 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 i would be, I, I wanted to get to that it, it is it truly is as where like the other other spider-man got the classic you know uncle ben chases after him gets shot with great power comes great responsibility spider-man this one exactly. shows a, exactly. a much longer f- formula to get to spider-man it's not yeah. Uncle Ben dies. I mean, there is deleted scenes in, in, in it's technically canon in the Spider-Man MCU that Uncle Ben dies and it's because of Peter Parker. But it's along the lines of like, you know, that's just the first step. It's not, yeah. you know, it's, it's not. just the beginning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's truly just the beginning. And uh, I think that's why a lot of people didn't like Tom Holland's Spider-Man is because they just thought it was like, dumb and childish but i'm like okay he's literally a child like he's not gonna figure out how to be a superhero overnight like he's gotta go through some real crap and this shows how much crap spider-man actually goes through yeah yeah and i think like you know this this truly is what the spider-man comic book was especially during stan lee's first hundred issue sorry first hundred issue um take on him because he wasn't a good spider-man in the beginning he's not he didn't just wake up and be spider-man and peter parker's ruining his life he he, it's not like that he he's fighting with this to trying to live two lives when while the world's trying to make him choose 
And I think like, you know, I think it's a great look at Spider-Man as a whole. And I think they pulled a little sneaky on us doing that. Yeah. 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 They definitely did. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Anyways, I have one question for you guys before we, before we wrap this up. Um, and it's something that like truly struck me in the heart. Um, do you guys relate to this Spider-Man at all? What I'll let Joe go first. Go ahead, Stuart. What do you mean, like, to, to, to Holland Spider-Man? To, to, well, to Tom Holland Spider-Man, but, like, any Spider-Man as a whole, um, in context to, of course, No Way Home, because they're all in it, but which, like, what part of Spider-Man, any Spider-Man I'll allow, you know, do you relate to most? Because I feel like, absolutely, because I feel like my mom was telling me today that Spider-Man is like truly a character that evolves with the times, but not only does he evolve, he's like, you know, he's constantly in the hearts of us all because in the end, Spider-Man's the everyman. And so I want you, I want to ask you guys, what part of Spider-Man like strikes your core the most? Or what moment? It could be anything like that. What moment in Spider-Man's arc? What, what, you know, what, where are you at? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'll say this it, to me my favorite part or the, the thing that touches close to me the most is it doesn't matter what happens to him or what he goes through uh-huh. he's always a symbol of hope and he's always hopeful he always gives people hope no matter what happens to him he wants to make sure what happens to him doesn't happen That's... to anybody else I'd have to agree with that too yeah like And that's the thing is, like, this, at first it was, like, he's sad and now he doesn't want to do anything. And then he has those guidance. It's like this movie was the guidance for people who feel like um, it's not my problem. Like, all this around me is going wrong. But then it's, like, showing, like, just because it's going wrong for you, you know, like, you can still do something great and amazing and be like spider-man you could not save the world but you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah i i totally understand it and i mean i remember jordan and i and i doubt jordan has had this uh, remembers this conversation but jordan and i were arguing over who was better uh tom holland (laughs) or andrew garfield and i remember okay just to give context uh i wasn't the one fighting for the bad one uh i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um but um (laughs) But basically, um, it was after Homecoming, so I don't rem- I don't think Noah uh, Far From Home ca- even was out yet. I think it was on its way, and me and Jordan were having this conversation. Oh no, it was after. Okay, okay. To to tee this up, it was after uh, Far From Home. And long story short, is Jordan was telling me how he was relating to the Andrew Garfield Spider Man, and how his experiences were more towards the the. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man as where he struggled to relate at the time struggled to relate to Tom's Spider-Man and one of the examples he brought up was the kiss scene between uh, MJ and Spider-Man on the London Bridge do you remember this conversation? I remember this now I remember this now but I mean like Jordan's argument was how awkward it was and I remember sitting there thinking to myself like Jordan you stinker that's that's how my first kiss was like shut up like don't be like that like we don't all have mad game like andrew garfield or apparently jordan like like okay Okay, yeah and actually okay that that brings up a good topic is that 
that's why Tom Holland's Spider-Man is so relatable is because, like, like you're watching him and then you're realizing, yeah, like, because especially you and me, DJ, like, we're at, we were at that stage in life watching Spider-Man where we're at the same, like, age level almost as him. Yeah. And, like, you're, you get it. You understand. And you can kind of, like, put yourself in his situation. Like, oh, my gosh. Imagine me trying to do that while literally being in school and trying to maintain. Like, I can barely have a social life and I'm a normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, Jordan, what are you saying? I think I wanted to I, – I agree with that. And I was actually going to bring this up. It's pretty cool. So – Toby's Spider-Man came out early 2000s. Yeah. Just think of how high schoolers were in the early 2000s. They were like how Toby was. Yeah. Now, just think about high schoolers when I was going through high school, which was Andrew's phase. I was going through high school like that. There were skater boys. There were girls dressed like Gwen, like everything. Everything. They all was. So, Holland's, it's appealing to your guys' high school experience. Each Spider-Man has appealed to the generation it was meant for, which is Honestly, really cool. Honestly, that's yeah that's beautiful like they obviously did that on purpose and absolutely like, it just makes it makes it more better for everyone because literally everyone of all the ages can enjoy it because at one point in their life someone has related to one or another spider-man absolutely and right. you know what it's like uh, to go off track for a bit i cannot wait to see what my kid's spider-man looks like and i hope exactly. through, I, I hope through that spider-man i can understand them better um yeah yeah but to get more into it, like, I remember Jordan saying that, and and I, I I went through, you know, this whole past year being a Spider-Man fanatic, just, like, e- epically excited for this movie, saw the leaks, saw the rumors, like I told you, started making my own fake leaks, and then, of course, starting to know yeah. how real these leaks got. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, I got to the movie, and I watched it, and he gets the end, um... And this is the most alone a Spider-Man has ever been. Uh, there's no Aunt May. Oh, there's no Mary Jane. There's there's no Harry Osborne. There's no Ned. You know. There's yeah. He's truly alone. And I remember like uh, I just so happened to be going through a transitional period right now where I'm switching colleges and and you know. Uh, old relationships that have been like my best friends for the past two, three years has kind of gone sour and, and I'm alone and uh, (laughs) sorry, I'm joking up, but um, that stupid GED test that he got that's in that box where you realize like all that potential he had uh, Uh is no longer, you know, is, is no longer put to use. He's just got to go get a GED and figure things out and, and, uh, I had to go get my GED uh, after high school, being taken out of high school in like a uh, a not so glorious way. I remember uh, in 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 a way that I felt deeply wronged, and and I feel like this Spider Man nailed that. This the the ability to be like, oh, he's in a transitional period. Yeah, things are gonna get better, and he's gonna go to that co- stupid coffee shop every day. But like, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like truly a Spider-Man arc, and it's a human arc. Yeah. Yeah, it's a relatable arc. It is. It's it's. It's not like a, like I mean all I mean at one point there's always something relatable, but like in the other Spider-Man, it's like it's just a bunch of death and more death, and this one is like 
well, I mean, Andrew does have a little more relatable where he like he's like, I can't be with you, but I can't, I want to, you know. Yeah. But like this one is relatable to where like he's alone. Like he literally has to start from scratch, and a lot of people, a lot of people know what that's like, and even like how he sees Ned in the coffee shop, and he like starts to tear up because like I don't know, just a lot of people can relate to what this Spider Man is about. Well, currently going through. Yeah. Yeah. To see people you loved go on different paths is hard, in general. That is hard. And like, like I said, that's something I can relate to. But then, like that hope, like Jordan was bringing up at the end, like that hope that he has <laughs> in the end, swinging out into the night, of being like, you know, yeah, it, he's going on his own path. That and it's okay. Yeah. That's another thing I thought was like beautiful was when Andrew Garfield, like, was talking about. Oh, well, I guess that's it, folks. All in all, great podcast. Sorry, phone died. Phone died. Let me see if I can get him back. Phone phone call dropped. Anyways, sorry to get freaking mopey there at the end. But um, hold on, I'm going to try to find him here. Holy cow. Talk about a tearjerker ending right there. I I hated that. That's that's pretty bad. All right, I'm 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 shooting a text. Hold up. Hold it. All right, you here? Yes, we are. Phone died. Now I got to like I got my microphone and I'm you know that like boom mic I have in my room on my desk? Yeah. All right, so yeah. like my my cord is literally like strung across my desk and I'm like <laughs> aiming the boom mic. So I'm like hunched over in a really weird way getting getting That's on top true. top of this mic and and you guys. Yeah. Okay then guys. Hey, well, hey, I wanted to ask you something. Yeah, buddy. If, if we're going to end this one soon, we got to do a part two because we haven't even gotten to the portal opening and everything else after that. Yeah, oh I my think gosh. this one's more of how this movie made us feel. And then the second podcast can be more about uh, all our thoughts and all our theories and everything. You guys are totally right. Well, in that case, come back. Wait, I don't know when this podcast is going to be up. When come back. Yeah, come back next time for part two of this wonderful podcast. Hold on, hold on. I'll I'll do it more gracefully. I'll do it more gracefully. Okay. Uh, uh, anyways, folks, that's all we're going to have time for today. But if you want to hear more about less of our, our gushy, mushy feelings and more about what's actually going to happen in the wider MCU now that we've seen the Spider-Verse, come back next time on the Brain in a Jar podcast. Thank you so much to my special guests Jordan Zirkle and Adrian Sarti. Love you guys to death. Thank you for listening to me whimper for a tight forty-five, and uh, and we will be back next time. Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. Adios.